G'day and welcome to another episode of Left After Breakfast coming to you from Melbourne, Australia broadcast from the studios of 3CR your only radio left my name is Susanna Duffy in this episode of Left After Breakfast We'll have a look at the Nazis again. Yes, they are still out there, listener. Also, some of their backlash against First Nations people following the defeat of the voice referendum. And we'll say farewell to former Prime Minister, the unrepentant God-bashing Scott. And there's also the unrepentant news director of Nine Network. That's Hugh Nalon, and he tries to tell us that (laughs) Adobe Photoshop changes images by automation. Well, apparently, if you're just resizing an image, oh, hang on a minute, an image of a woman, it doesn't just get resized, it gets fuller in the bust. The photo of Victorian Animal Justice Party MP Georgie Purcell was changed via Photoshop to show her with a larger bust size and a visible midriff, totally different from the original image. But yeah, it's all done by automation. Yeah, pull the other one. Where do these people get off? It's not just the fact that you have to tart up an image of a woman. And how do you do that? Oh, you make her boobs bigger. Yeah. It's the fact that they really think we don't understand computer software. And we probably don't understand Adobe Photoshop because it costs a lot of money. And why would mugs like the ordinary person in the street have the money to pay for Adobe Photoshop? That's what they think of us, that we're stupid. But not as stupid as Nine Network. And what a way for me to start the year, watching that program Nemesis. I thought it might be, you know, like a parody, really, of that awful period those nine years we spent under some of the most dreadful bastards we've seen as politicians. It's as though I'm suffering post-traumatic stress looking at it. It's just dreadful. I can't watch anymore. If you got through looking at it, well, good on you. It's more than I could manage. Could be of interest for students in the future, students of history students of human nature, to see how Australians put up with and to wonder why these dreadful people, as I said, bastards, absolute bastards, only concerned with their own rank, not the slightest bit concerned about anyone who lived in the country. Not one of us, anyway. Okay, I'm foolish and I'm naive, obviously, even after all these years of seeing the hell that's gone down in our parliaments. I just thought it was still in me to think 
that people took up these roles in government, in politics, in federal cabinet, that they took up these roles because underneath all that, you know, horrible stuff that they had, they still really wanted to do something for the country, for the people of Australia, that there was underlying everything, well, a patriotic idea, I suppose, I thought, really, they just got into Parliament to do the right thing and then got lazy and or decided to stuff their own purses while they were there and or take revenge on people they just didn't like anyway. But, you know, I was wrong. They were just evil to start with. I can count, seriously count, on one hand the number of politicians this country has had who actually did the right thing. So I guess that's my review of a TV show, Nemesis. It gave me awful flashbacks, caused me palpitations as I relived some of the horrors that we went through. 3CR What does it take for a former Prime Minister to leave Parliament? The spectacle of a former Prime Minister languishing on the backbenches isn't a good look. It's not even a good idea. But the presence of former Prime Minister Scott Morrison is just plain insulting. He's lied to the Australian public for years, over and over again. He's lied to his own party and he's lied to his ministers. He's lied to world leaders. The Royal Commission into the robo-debt scheme, the one which had such tragic consequences for many thousands of Australians, has found that Morrison gave untrue evidence to that commission and that he misled the Cabinet as to the legality of that disastrous scheme. When the Commission into Robo-Debt was handing over its findings, Scott was having a holiday in Italy, which is not too surprising. International trips are a trend when he served as a backbencher, sitting in Parliament like a bottle of milk just as they were a trend in his first term as Prime Minister. He even missed the opening day of the new Parliament because he was in Japan. He was giving a speech somewhere or other. He's pretty good at giving speeches somewhere or other. He's been flat out giving speeches since his defeat at the federal 2022 election even at one point suggesting that governments are a waste of time and repeating often that God has plans for him. The reason that he gets to make so many speeches all over the place is because he signed up with an agency called Worldwide Speakers Group. This is a US-based talent agency that organises speaking engagements for global thought leaders for a hefty fee. As a backbencher, Scott talked on a variety of topics, including naturally faith and religion, and also, get this one, the net zero global emissions economy. 
as if the man who became the laughing stock of the United Nations Climate Change Conference is in any way remotely qualified to speak about climate change. The Worldwide Speakers Group has a biography on Scott Morrison where it says that as Prime Minister of Australia from 2018 to 2022, he successfully led his nation through the most difficult and significant challenges Australia has faced since the Great Depression and the Second World War. The website also states that Scott is the architect of the landmark AUKUS Trilateral Defence Agreement, But there's no mention that this deal totally annihilated our relationship with France. If you ever needed proof that some men will coast through life getting handed overpaid jobs that they're absolutely not qualified for, just think of former Prime Minister Scott as a motivational speaker. While the former Prime Minister has been out there pushing his skills on controlling natural disasters without even holding a hose and being a virtuous globalisation mastermind. Keep in mind that he was representing the people of Cook and getting a bloody good salary for representing those people in Cook, even though he wasn't doing it. When he was the Prime Minister... He publicly declared that he didn't believe in legacy. Now, that should have been a big red flag for us all, as anyone in leadership should consider what they will leave behind. And the legacy of his ego appears to be a top priority. Finally, when Scott Morrison addressed a church in Perth last year, he told the congregation that they should trust in God over governments and God again over anything like the United Nations. He doesn't believe in government. He appears to only believe in ego, his status and his special connection to God. He was the least popular major party leader at any election since the Australian election study began their surveys in 1987. Since then, of course, it's been revealed that he secretly took five ministries for reasons he was never able to explain with any plausibility. He was a shockingly unimpressive witness before the Robo-Debt World Commission, a scandal, remember, he played a large part in making. Of course, reasons for his unpopularity showed clearly in the black summer bushfires of 2019-2020. The image of him lazing on the beach in Hawaii while the country burned, that became the image of Morrison the politician. And it actually beats the image of him carrying the lump of coal into Parliament, and it also beats his ukulele playing on national television. On gender, of course, he was just an embarrassment. You know, it would be hard to invent a politician more poorly equipped to deal with the problem of sexual assault. That issue took political centre stage in the wake of historic claims against Christian Porter and the allegations from former staffer Brittany Higgins against a colleague. 
His repeated bumbling and bumbling really suggested a man out of tune with the times. But, you know, part of his problem, really, is like so many political leaders, he came to believe in his own lies. His ScoMo image. The rugby league-loving daggy dad from the Shire. Pure performance. He was really a rugby union man from Affluent Bronte, and he had enjoyed a string of highly paid jobs since his 20s. And he believed that Australians had voted him back into office because they bought this image. So the result of that was we had to endure more, more curries, more cubby houses, more flamboyant displays of barracking and tedious cosplay in a bewildering variety of workplaces. I reckon most Australians spotted that fakery a mile away. And yes, people voted for him, not overwhelmingly, but enough to get him over the line once because they didn't like Bill Shorten and because they liked franking credits. But when faced with something all benign three years later, they abandoned Morrison in droves, turning to Labour, Independence, the Greens, anyone but Morrison. And yes, his defenders are already talking about a legacy Well, we know that Scott didn't want a legacy to be left. We're going to hear a lot about Orcus, but his legacy was the poisonous relationship with France we now have. I suppose in the future, those historians I mentioned will probably be scratching their heads over why Morrison took the plunge from being a not very successful tourism executive to a not very successful prime minister. He was always campaigning, always looking for the rhetorical trick, looking for the political stunt and looking for a clever phrase. I don't forget him cracking down on criminals who were supposed to have placed pins in strawberries and that last final fling of his on the day of the election in 2022, his big stunt announcing that the government had intercepted a Sri Lankan asylum seeker boat. This news was texted to mobile phones for the benefit of undecided voters. It was Scott's last desperate throw of the dice. It did him no good. It did the coalition no good. But it was a reminder of what Morrison had never ceased to be. A marketing man. Oh, Mr. Scomo was his name around the world. He brought us Spain. He loved coal and gas and oil. It won't hurt you, don't recoil. As the cities turned to toast and the cyclones hit the coast, he'd sing out this alibi. How could I know Cole was a killer No one told me the end was nigh I didn't see all those forests burning Cause I was holidaying in Hawaii But one day said French Macron He's a liar just a con 
So the people took a stand and made Scomo show his hand And in his hand a lump of coal, don't be scared it won't hurt The seas with which this land is girt He didn't know coal was a killer wasn't his job to hold the hose up high He didn't see all the forest burning Cause he was holidaying in Hawaii Yes, Barnaby agreed that Mr. Scomo filled his need But came days of 50 degrees, 10 meters rose the sea Scomo's statues all were flooded, everyone began to panic On this fossil fuel Titanic He didn't smell the dead fish floating He didn't see the coral bleach He didn't hear the koalas crying Cause he was lying on Waikiki Beach So I decided to consult with Jenny She certainly knew Henny Penny We concluded there's no way I could have known that Australia would hit 50.7 degrees Hey, I'm just the Prime Minister here So I headed over to Hawaii Direct, not via Nauru With flowers in my hair Because it's not me, but Capitalism can do. He didn't see all the forest burning Cause he was holiday in Hawaii There's 60 billion reasons you gotta vote for ScoMo You'll lower taxes so you too can fly Above all the smoke and bleach and coral For a holiday in Hawaii all the critters crying Cause he was holidaying in Hawaii It's good to see those Nazis were stopped in Sydney. In fact, it looks like a really well-planned and well-implemented operation from the Sydney police Neo-Nazi, I believe, is the actual word. I call them all Nazis. It's what they are. Scores of balaclava-clad members of the National Socialist Network were intercepted on a train. And we've seen plenty of photos of them all over the, <laughs> all over the news. They've all covered up. They've either got balaclavas, black paint on their face, or masks. I mean, for heaven's sake... They're such brave men, aren't they? They cover themselves. And this is what the police are saying they're going to do in New South Wales. They will show their faces to their work colleagues, their neighbours, their families. For heaven's sake. I wonder how that will work. This same neo-Nazi group had previously tried to infiltrate and take over the Young Nationalist Party in New South Wales. And I'm pleased to say that they didn't get very far with them. So that's something good to say about the Young Nationalist Party in New South Wales. We can't let them go on, listener. We cannot have them. We cannot have these people marching around screaming hatred. This, this insane group of hateful men 
the National Socialist Network, is they basically want everyone out of Australia if they're not white. Only white people in Australia. Well, that's a lot of Australians, isn't it? How dare they? I remember the Nazis. I remember chasing them out of Brunswick some years back. The bagman was with me that day. We chased them all the way to the train station and the police had to protect them from us, from me, this little old lady. Mind you, I did have a couple of eggs with me. But these neo-Nazi despicables have to be stopped. We cannot allow them to continue. I would love to fix all the wrongs in the world. I would love to fix the climate crisis, the wars, the genocide, the murdered children. I would love to stop all that, but I can't do all those things internationally. But what I can do and what you can do is stop these Nazis here in our hometown hiding their faces. What cowards they are. Wouldn't you like to know the names of the politicians who bought up Nazi memorabilia online? I suppose to add to their collection. Danielle Elizabeth Auctions just recently advertised a huge military sale, saying, get it before history is banned and erased. Charming. The auction house sold 240 items, including signed pictures of Hitler, Himmler and Rommel, a striped concentration camp cap, a Jewish winter overcoat with yellow star, picture albums of dead soldiers and prisoners of war, and personal photo albums of SS officers. The managing director of Danielle Elizabeth Auctions is named Dustin Sweeney. And when he was asked what kind of people buy nuts in memorabilia, he said, there are lots of politicians, but I can't divulge names and I can't divulge how much they spend. Quite often we have buyers agents who make purchases for people's collections where they don't want people out there screaming about it. It's legal. We aren't selling drugs to children. Basically what he's saying is don't get angry at us for auctioning signed photos of Hitler, Himmler and Rommel. I mean, it's your elected politicians who are buying them. Yes, I'd like to know who they are. I wonder if it's one of my politicians in my area, or maybe in one of yours. I can think of a few in federal politics that might just buy Nazi artefacts, but I don't want to say that on air because, you know, there are such things as libel laws. 3C I'm sure that you have noticed all of the attacks on First Nation people since the referendum was knocked back last year. And you would have seen that the Presbyterian Church decided to stop, in fact, to ban their acknowledgements of country and welcomes to country at church services. But interesting. The committee that decided to ban these things from their church services was made up entirely of non-Indigenous men and consulted David Price, 
the father of Senator Jacinta Price. David Price is neither Indigenous nor Presbyterian, and I'm a bit confused as to why he was consulted about this. They could have consulted me, or you. I also see that significant damage has been wreaked upon the historic site of Wave Hill, where Vincent Lingari walked off with his 200 stockmen and their families in 1966, starting the longest strike ever and a seminal point for Aboriginal land rights in Australia. You see, these racists are now emboldened by the defeat of the voice. 3CR Thanks for listening. Thanks for the ride. See you next week. Same time, same place. Until then, it's cheerio and ciao from Left After Breakfast. And I leave you with Alistair Hewlett. It's 14 years this month since he left us. Still badly missed. Arise, ye works from your slumbers, arise, ye prisoners of want. For reason in the bold now thunders, and at last ends the age of cant. Away with all your superstition, servile masses arise, arise. We'll change henceforth the old tradition, we'll spun the dust to win the prize. Also, comrades, come rally, and the last fight let us face. The Internationale unites the human race. Also, comrades, come rally, and the last fight let us face. The Internationale unites the human race. On tyrants only we'll make war The soldiers too will take strike action They'll break the ranks, they'll fight no more And if those cannibals keep trying To sacrifice us to their pride They soon shall hear the bullets flying We'll shoot the generals on our own side Also comrades, come rally And the last fight let us face the Internationale unites the human race Also comrades come rally And the last fight let us face The Internationale unites the human race No saviour from an high delivers no faith have we in Prince of Pain. Our own right hand the chains must shiver, chains of hatred, greed and fear. Ere the thieves will out with their booty, and give to all a happy lot. Each at the forge must do their duty, and will strike while the iron is hot. 